0: From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee and this is the Autosport Podcast. Well, Max Verstappen delighted the home fans with a pole position conversion into victory for the third consecutive year in a challenging rain hit Encounter changing weather conditions all the way back to the very first lap of the Grand Prix this afternoon. But Verstappen navigated the chaos, took the chequered flag ahead of Fernando Alonso's Aston Martin in second and on the road Sergio Perez, but a five-second time penalty for speeding in the pit lane only just uh, demoted him. So Pierre Gasly... Final place on the podium, and so much to get into. There were, there was a red flag today. Virtual safety car. We saw uh, various uh, teams make certain decisions, which we'll try and unpick on today's podcast. I'm joined by the uh, Grand Prix editor. Of Autosport, Alex Kalinorkas, also uh, our man at the circuit, our Matt Q, and back here in the UK, editor of Autosport.com, uh, Hayden Cobb. But gents, welcome along to the podcast. Alex, start with you, actually. What are your highlights? Give us your three highlights of today's Grand Prix for you.
1: Hello, Martin. Hello, listeners. Uh, Hello, Matt and Hayden, indeed. Um, Although we haven't been talking for 20 minutes, waiting for you to arrive. (laughs) Um, My three highlights of the race. Uh, Well, yeah, um, one right at the very start Fernando Alonso diving down Alex Albon at turn two and then immediately getting George Russell on the inside of that phenomenal Hugen Holtz. I think it's the full mm. phrase of it, the Huguenots uh, bank corner, which is honestly one of the best places I've ever stood and watched the Formula One car. I was there last year, absolutely tremendous. Um, but yeah, really wily from Alonso, as you'd expect. Uh, of him, and I think he I, I can't quite remember the top of my head now—but I think he repeated that trick uh, later on. Uh, then my other, ne- my next highlights were really going to be another pass, uh, which was again a, a very short time afterwards, and that was George Russell taking the lead from Lando Norris uh, in the wet going into turn one. Tarzan, just as uh, Verstappen and Alonso had finally pitted uh, to move on to the inters, and it's just sort of mad to think that um, you know, considering the race that Mercedes was going to would go on to have that George Russell actually did lead the race. Like it was, and he was doing very, very well. And then it just all seemed to, they sort of seemed to lurch from one bad decision to another one. Uh, and in the end, obviously he has an instant packed race, including that incredible save from his error going off where it nearly, nearly took out Lewis Hamilton, if Hamilton hadn't been so quick to get on the brakes. Um, but my third highlight to pick <coughs> is um, Charles Leclerc choosing to pit uh, behind Sergio Perez didn't wait for Ferrari to, to call him in. He made he made that call. And where were Ferrari with the tires? They were they were nowhere. Like Red Bull, the exact same <laughs> thing happened. Perez made the call to Pitt, the team was ready. Perez ends up leading the race by eleven seconds. You know, Ferrari, okay, well it might have been a bit tricky with cars coming in, things like that, but something operationally He's gone, he's gone wrong there because if Red Bull can do it, why can Ferrari not do it? And I saw Leclerc getting, I'm sure we'll get into this later on, but I saw Leclerc getting a lot of criticism for, you know, oh, it's his decision, he's exposed Ferrari there. Well, no, Ferrari let him down. So, yeah, so those are my three highlights.
0: Which he says was the right thing to do. Uh, it's amazing yeah. how Ferrari will always uh, close ranks and say, no, uh, Leclerc says, no, Absolutely, we did nothing wrong today because the time that we lost in not being ready was less than the time we I would have lost. But anyway, uh, we'll get into that. Uh, Matt, what were your highlights today? Uh,
2: when you let us know this is how you're going to introduce <coughs> us, Martin, I thought I might be last, so we'd be running short of ideas. So I've got a bit left field. So, number one... <laughs> is Russell's save uh, when he was being chased by Hamilton. That was a huge sort of swapper that he caught. So that was brilliant. That's a bog standard one. Second is Wilhelm, uh, Wilhelm Alexander, the king of the Netherlands, walking through the mid-each centre halfway <laughs> through the race. That was cool. Uh, with his family, the royal family in the media centre. Quite why they were slumming it with us, I don't know. And third, which I've really thought about because it's, uh, it's a visual gag that uh, I'm going to be using on a podcast, is look, we've been given... During the race. Where's my camera? I've got my broken monitor. So where's the camera? A ceramic windmill to take home. What a freebie that is. That's brilliant. So, uh, that is, uh, they're, they're my highlights of, of the race. Better weekend. than
1: barbecue tongs, isn't it? You got, you got some barbecue <laughs> tongs early on in the season.
2: Yeah, I did. I did. I got those, uh, got those, uh, in spa for the summer break. Uh, I don't have a barbecue, so they're just, they're just clutter for the time being.
0: Oh, but when you do oh, get and there were like seventy-two laps
2: where someone else happened on track as well. I heard.
0: Something happened, something like that. Uh, Yes, for for those, uh, uh, I thought, uh, as Matt alludes to, I I said to the guys, we'll start by talking about the various highlights that we all found today because I sometimes feel like we get into it. We talk about Max and the win and that kind of stuff, and then half an hour later we talk about things that could have been mentioned at the start. So I thought I'd try things differently for this podcast. Uh, If you're one of those listeners that, oh, we don't like change round here, we don't like that, then uh, I'm very sorry. Um, And Hayden, what would be your highlights of today's uh, Grand Prix? That impression, I don't know who you're trying (laughs) to impress it, but that's my highlight. I don't know. I don't know where it came from, because... I know, and yet of all, of all things, I'm from Norwich, and so of all places, I could have just gone an East Anglian accent and just picked on, uh, you know, my brethren, my brothers, sisters, cousins, friends. They're all the same in East Anglia. Let's face it. Anyway, Hayden, what are your highlights of today?
3: Uh, okay, well, I'll go sort of one <laughs> conventional. Try and steer us back on the right path. Now, um, I, I Pierre Gasly's overall performance, given that the way that uh, team has has been in in recent weeks and management shake-ups here, there and everywhere. But um, yeah, sort of made, largely making the right calls, really sort of just taking the opportunity and then profiting off Perez's penalty to get that that podium. So yeah, that, that was just a nice, nice story on that front. Um, and the, uh, A little bit like what Alex said, I think we've now got a best corner on the track, uh, sorry, on the calendar, uh, if it wasn't already, it was that turn three one. Just, yeah, incredible moments of the overtakes, even early in the weekends. I'm not saying that crashes are a good thing, but it really did provide a mace, a talking point. It's sort of <clears throat> put an extra dilemma to Ricardo's comeback, given that he's uh, mm. busted his hand. Um, and yeah, it's just a just a just visually, it's, it's incredible. And just, yeah, so wonderful to have that sort of different uh, characteristic uh, on the calendar. And then finally... Uh, 'cause all the ones that have already been said so i don 't <laughs> double up um, i 'll go with just the fans uh during the red flag I mean they look mental anyway, but just pouring with rain they 're in their ponchos and they 're just like having a little rain <clears throat> i i love that that was that was great i think that 's uh more of that please
0: absolutely there was something like 45000 bicycles parked today there was a graphic on screen 97% of people traveled it, the, the graphic said sustainable transport but i think from that it also meant things like mass transit uh, the, the 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 train that links uh that, that brings you in was renamed i think the Verstappen express the max express this weekend and uh, yeah between mass transit walking cycling uh you know 97% was done uh, that way compare that to like i mean i don't know i I've only ever driven to Silverstone. Uh, I just couldn't imagine arriving at a Grand Prix and seeing no cars around. It would be a fantastic experience. Look forward to if having I, that. If um, I could
2: bring a bit of like on-the-ground <clears throat> insight to that, uh, it's a seaside town with a Grand Prix track. It's like putting one in great yarmouth kind of thing so all the all like the residence cars that are here have a sticker to say we live here sort of leave us alone and then sandvort is closed off to <coughs> outside cars that are not from around these parts so everyone yeah everyone's cycling in walking in or, or train or, or buses so that's sort of that's sort of how it works so it's, it's pretty pretty sick system well,
1: that's, that's been in the news recently because didn't there were some people in silverstone the silverstone village ended up getting fined uh, by overzealous parking uh, traffic wardens really? and Silverstone have offered to pay the, pay the fines and marvel the residents. Cause well, uh, fair enough. So I think they, I think the residents themselves were annoyed at all the naughty parking for various people in the British. Grand Prix. But Anyway, we're getting massively sidetracked.
0: Sorry. Do the local Dutch residents do what the Silverstone local residents do and set up, you know, like a little burger stands, cold drink shop in their front garden.
2: Uh, yeah. There's a fear that it's just so much for stuff and flags, portraits, model cars, effigies, it's uh yeah, it's uh very partisan crowd as you as you would expect. Um uh how much he sees or pays attention to it I I, I doubt but they, they certainly backed their their local driver. Or oh, well the only one they've Excellent. got now. There wasn't there was I don't I don't it, know if there's been many like hastily taken down Nick DeVries banners, but we didn't see any of those.
0: <laughs> oh poor Nick DeVries. Uh but uh, yeah didn't get his chance to race this weekend. That would be um Uh, overlooked and actually a very good result for Liam Lawson today, finishing 13th in the standings. Let me run down how it finished today. Max Verstappen, Fernando Alonso, Pierre Gasly was our podium and a great podium it was actually today. Sergio Perez and in fourth because of that five-second time penalty, speeding in the pit lane less than a second. It was 0.8 kilometres an hour and it was wet. There was aquaplaning and I give him a hard time. Uh, more than most, but maybe uh, maybe let him off that one. Uh, then it was Carlos Sainz in the first and only Ferrari to finish today. Charles Leclerc being retired because of floor damage in fifth. Then Lewis Hamilton in the Mercedes of sixth. Lando Norris just... Two hundredths of a second behind, I think, in his uh, in his McLaren. You watched the replays of that, and it was so close across the line. Alex Albon in eighth, I think, great points for Williams. We'll get into whether they could have had more today, though. Oscar Piastri in ninth, Esteban Ocon in tenth, and then Stroll, Hulkenberg, Liam Lawson. Like I say, Valtteri Bottas, Yuki Tsunoda, uh, Kevin Magnussen, and George Russell was a classified finisher in seventeenth, despite retiring at the end. Uh, and then it was Joe Leclerc, Sargeant, all DNFs.
1: Uh, Martin, I was going to interrupt you there. He didn't retire. He just, he pitted, got a new tyres and finished the race. You might Did he finish? Bit yeah, see, yeah. I he's,
0: missed he's, that. Yeah. There's a couple of things that I missed today, actually, that didn't get shown. So I missed uh, George coming back out. I heard the, uh, obviously, the team radio saying, that's it, guys, I'm out. Uh, and I didn't see him come back out. So it's good to know. And there was another one as well. I think the, at uh, 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 one point, they didn't show when Hamilton got Norris at one point. And I just looked down at the timing sheets, and they'd changed places. And then it happened a couple of times, I think. Uh, but they they missed that on the coverage today as well. So a couple of things that uh, that I might have missed. Right, let's get into it then. Alex, we'll start with you. We'll take a look at Verstappen. He's breaking records, equaling that that uh, that record with Vettel today as well. And he seemed to have it all in hands. He just he looks unflappable. He had to manage. Uh, you know, dry, wet, dry, wet, dry conditions. A safety car restart, a red flag, and he sort of never looks to be that bothered by anything really. Even on you know home Grand Prix team radio at the end, he got about as you know effusive as he gets on the radio. He's such a cool character. Uh, what did you make of his performance today? Yeah, I
1: mean, it, it's 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 sort <laughs> of hard to find way different ways to say the same thing. Of just he's absolutely tremendous and has been all season. But I think I think. To, the, the best way to to summarize it really is to, to look at something Fernando Alonso said in the press conference afterwards, which is like he <coughs> Alonso obviously he says this a lot Alonso, but I think it's it's really interesting because he was sort of asked about uh, Verstappen and 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 what does he make of Max's performance this season. Alonso says, "Well, today I I was at 100. percent I was absolutely at my best, but there have been times this season, like say for example, I think I think it was Spa and Austria in particular. He said he was oh, I wasn't quite at 100." percent but Max is able more than anybody else at the moment. He's just getting, he's absolutely at hundred percent all the time. And you saw that because yeah, it's nine in a row, but this was easily the hardest. Okay. You know, maybe, maybe something like Monaco where they, they could have lost if Aston had got things right. Um, But, but, but yeah, everything was thrown at Verstappen today. Um, And, you know, he, he showed the difference, like just because he's got the best car, Doesn't necessarily doesn't automatically mean he's going to win all the time. If that was the case, then he and Perez would be winning. Would be exchanging races, or Perez would be winning. But he's not. Again, exposed the difference. It was Perez that went off and hit the barriers at turn one. It was Perez that crashed in the pit lane. It was Perez that basically blew an eleven second lead. And okay, there's all sorts of what were Red Bull doing with giving Verstappen the favorable. Uh, pit stop to go back from the inters to the slicks because yeah, they say they were protecting against Alonso, but I think, I think we all know that they were just giving Verstappen the, the favorable strategy and, and, and fair enough, that's, that's as they want, but he put himself into a position where no matter what, he wasn't going to be denied. Um, So that's, that's just it for Verstappen at the moment. This was the best race of the season, by far the most interesting race of the season. It wasn't a tiny little bit of rain. It was proper downpours and yet he still
0: won. And, and 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 deservedly so congratulations yeah you've brought up the first big talking point which was well the beginning of the race as the rain came down and it was when do we pit for inters and when do we not and they made that decision with Perez early and that's what put him in the lead of the race and that's why um he was he was so far ahead uh, but the ability for then max to catch up matt how much quicker was Verstappen per lap it was something ridiculous wasn't it when he was chasing Perez down
2: yeah so as as the uh, track drives to sort of lap 8 and lap 9 there was one lap in fact when he was four seconds faster which is obscene Um, I think that might have ever so slightly crossed over with uh, when sergeant was uh lapped straight away so that might have held Perez ever so slightly. But anyway, the ballpark was it was between one point two and two seconds faster over a sustained period, um, which was which was phenomenal. Now the, the Perez I did put this to Perez as delicately as I could saying basically why why was that delta between you guys so massive? And he says the rain forecast and th- this is true, the rain forecast predicted a, a second shower coming. Uh, which obviously didn't materialise, but Red Bull, I think what they were doing is splitting their strategy at that point and trying to get Perez to manage the intermediate tyres. You saw when people were coming in sort of lap 11, lap 12, that they they were pretty much slicks at that point. Whereas Red Bull were trying to get Perez to sort of span the gap, but obviously with with all the camber and the banking at Zandvoort, that the sort of the seaside breeze it dries so quickly that you can't even sort of move offline to keep the keep the inter tires alive that bit longer. So so Perez was still shedding his, but then lost that massive massive time. Uh, you know, so what it was? I think it peaked at fourteen point two seconds a gap, and it was four seconds come come the pit stops. And as Alex say, that then you know, uh, sort of puts Verstappen on the preferential undercut, but it was, um, mm. even it, with that sort of outside influence, it was sort of cavernous, the, the gulf between the, those two drivers and what they could get out of the RB18 today. And sort of, um, you know, as Alex said, Perez has spun at turn one, he's clunked the pit wall. Um, okay, it's harsh, but yeah, he exceeded the, uh, uh, the pit lane speed limit by a tenth of a kilometre so bang to rights in the FIO's book but also sort of just you know with obviously Perez got the beneficial strategy at the start by um, by pitting for inters at the end of lap one but on those slicks in the rain you can see the spray coming out from them there's no they're not. The, there's no tread on the slicks they're not clearing any water and Verstappen keeps it on the island just fine as did everyone but even his pace then it was just like there's you know you can throw everything at him and he it, he it, it doesn't seem to have a wobble. I mean, all weekend, what's he done? He 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 ran over the grass exiting turn three sort of innocuously in in second practice. That's been it. We didn't even. I say this slightly flippantly, but we didn't really even have the oh, I've got a downshift vibration this race. It wasn't even that radio message. Here. It was just <laughs> totally unflappable. There wasn't the there wasn't <clears throat> the slightly arrogant. Oh, let's have a practice pit stop, guys. It was just sort of he didn't deviate at all from the course it was it was brilliant in that sense the only slight thing that's come to light since actually is uh, about lap 62 just before the red flag Verstappen wanted to stay out rather than take the intermediate tyres and apparently it was Horner that said to uh, his race engineer GP right get that get him in the pits immediately so maybe there if he had stayed out and basically done out I know best it could have it could have spilled he could have dropped it and then we're talking about a different story but frankly that didn't happen and that radio message from Horner wasn't broadcast so it's Horner that's brought that to light so basically without that little bit of insight coming out then we'd have just thought he there was sort of almost nothing to detract from his performance.
1: Uh, just just very quickly I wanted to just jump in and say uh, to give, give him his credit where credit's due Perez made that call to pit at the start on lap 1 it wasn't it wasn't red bull uh, and he gained massively so so fair play to him and i think pierre gasly did the same and that set up his tremendous race as as hayden was saying so you know fair play for the to the people that made those bold calls
0: and hayden on uh, perez we've got some news breaking as we record this on autosport.com on your website right now which although it's not an official Team press release does seem to suggest Christian Horner has confirmed at Sergio Perez the phrase will be our driver in 2024. And I said this on yesterday's podcast that I did with JBL. Although Perez has given plenty of room for criticism this year, in fact, he lost a second place today by going off at turn one and handing it to Alonso, he lost a third place by and, and, and again, it was immensely difficult conditions, but other drivers didn't speed in the pit lane, and he did. Uh, and he lost a podium that way. But he's been rewarded with a seat next year. And you know what? I'd probably do the same because I'd probably ask team Verstappen, uh, what do you want? And they'd probably say consistency. Hayden, do you think that you would do the same thing and stick Perez in the seat next year?
3: Very much so, because like you say, it doesn't rock the boat. His sole his, uh, soul objective this year is to finish second in the championship, which he's doing. And and like you say, even despite, okay, conceded a few points to Alonso in particular today, he's still fairly comfortably there. Obviously, I think they'd prefer it be a bit more comfortable. But yeah, it, it, he just, at the moment and the way things are, he just fulfills that role because they have such dominance through which happened happening through the car. As has been said a few times, I think if, if next year... Uh, one of the other teams manages to to get a package together to to cut that gap to to Red Bull, then then they may have to eat their words a little bit if the scenario breaks out where he isn't sort of holding up his end of the bargain, which we saw a little bit in 2021. But it's I think it is, as like you say, it's it's the sensible call. And you look at their sort of options elsewhere. Uh, this Ricardo test has been obviously put on hold because he's broken his hand um there's obviously still big question marks about Sonoda and then other juniors uh within the rebel fold anyway um so yeah it it makes sense in terms of he is sort of meeting objectives he's had that dip I think they just want to sort of see him rediscover that sort of self-confidence I think a little bit obviously um if, if he could win a race for the I think it clears up a little bit. But I think that's sort of what Horner was saying is there's been speculation of, oh, he might not be 100% guaranteed for 24 with this sort of eye on Ricardo. And I think within given he's got a contract and everything and it just seems to make sense, I think Horner's trying to sort of smooth over and go, look, he's in there for, for 24 uh, and then we will sort of make a call beyond that
0: don't think Helmut Marco was in the team photo That I think Perez was in the team photo, which is odd. Um, and uh, maybe they were just off, you know, having a nice chat, as I'm sure lots of drivers do with Helmut Marco. I'm <laughs> sure he has lovely chats with drivers all the time. He's such a nice guy um, and uh, doesn't scare me in the slightest. Uh, but who else would you put in that seat, though? I mean, you could put an alternative in that might do slightly better than Perez. Put a young driver in so you got something coming down the pipeline but you've got AlphaTauri for that and you've got some some drivers that you can look at I'd I'd do exactly the same leave Perez there the the only downside is how much money he'll be on as a very experienced grand prix driver versus a young driver that you could save some money. I don't think that they need to, it's not like Give, given like, his driver salary is outside the cost cap <clears throat> and their Red Bull and it's I think Red Bull all right it's not like that's the only downside I can possibly think. He's not rocking the boat. He's happily, you know, he knows this is his best chance to be in a decent Formula One car or in any Formula One car. Yeah, but uh, Martin, I think
1: you're risking a future Constructors' Championship by doing that. It might not be 2024, but it could be 2025. We know how long it takes our teams to fix their trajectories. Let's just, I mean, this is what we all hope, right? That Ferrari, Mercedes, McLaren, Alpine, Aston Martin. We, they've. It's up to them to provide the competition to Red Bull. So let's, you know, we're we we're, we're, we're talking hypotheticals here. Let's <laughs> assume that there there's going to be a repeat of 2021. What cost Red Bull the constructors championship in 2021? Sergio Perez. So, ah, so I would talking, I would. What you're I would, talking about is the stroll problem. That yeah. Well, it's the, it's it's completely the same. Yeah. It's it, right. it, We know already he's cost them a world championship because he wasn't. Close enough to Rosapen's level. Valtteri Bottas was nowhere near Lewis Hamilton's level in 2021, yeah, yeah. but he was close enough to get Mercedes a world title. So, yeah, I would, I personally would put Ricardo in maybe as soon as next year, because then at least it prepares him for 2025. But you know, the thing, the thing with this contract thing is, it's, it's, it's like De Vries had a contract, right? But he's not driving anymore. <laughs> like, it, it, mm. he's, he's, what I, I do what I do like is I like that Horn has done it. He's back in his man here. I think that's fair enough. It, it puts the bed. You know the the chat. It, it, it should have put to bed the chat that we're now having, but we're still yeah. having it. But anyway, um, <laughs> but, but but also just just quickly, I, mm. I wanted to, I thought about this about Ricardo um, over the weekend, and basically I, it's almost win win in a way. I know he's like mm. had to have surgery of a broken hand, right? But if he comes back in Singapore and does amazingly well again, we're talking hypotheticals. Marco's going to love that. The, the Red Bulls, yes. camp, they love that sort of grit and determination thing. And then you've got Liam Lawson, who again, he's like, he's turned up and he's, he's done all right this weekend. Like they love that stuff. So it's sort of, it's, 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 a, it's a winning situation for a lot of people at Red Bull from, 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 a, from, a, from a very painful one on Friday night for Ricardo.
0: Absolutely. So we say well done to Liam Lawson and get well soon to Daniel Ricardo. And we wish him All the best in getting well. I mean, these guys are so massively super fit. He put a a social post online saying, uh, like, uh, yeah, got my first metal work. um, And, you know, and here we go. Like, it's not about the the injury. It's about the recovery. I'll be back soon. Um, That's not exactly what he said. But, uh, um, you know, words to that effect. Oh, and also fantastic to see uh, one of our media colleagues, Jenny Gow, back in the paddock uh, this weekend after her stroke at the beginning of the year, end of last year. And uh, and she was back working for the BBC this weekend. And that was so, so good to see her back in and uh, doing a brilliant job once again covering, covering Formula One. So welcome back, Jenny. So let's talk a little bit about, I mentioned the Aston Martin, the, the, the stroll problem, the Aston Martin effect. 40 points behind Mercedes in the constructors. So much money uh, at stake and... And their number two driver goes missing this year, and 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 their points are being scored by Fernando Alonso, second on the podium today. But if they had someone who was scoring more points, they wouldn't have this big deficit to uh, to Mercedes, and Aston Martin would be further up. And who knows what the next nine races are going to you know give us in terms of development? But every point is so valuable, not just down the bottom of the field um, as as well. Let's talk a little bit about some of the upgrades, if you want to call them that. Um, Matt, can you fill us in on on whether Aston Martin had anything significant to bring to this race, or was it really down to just the talent of Fernando Alonso and the, you know, just the weather and the skill and just the way that the race panned out? Had they bought anything that gave them some extra performance this weekend?
2: Well, in the inner conditions, an awful lot of it was Alonso, but yes, they did Martin. So um, you can see sort of with the race results as a sort of perfect correlation between uh, Aston Martin having to change a couple of bits on, on the car at Miami and a drop-off from results. They they say, uh, uh, not that they developed in the wrong direction, but they just tried some bits that weren't as successful when they got out developed. That's that's not strictly true. They were just, they were forced to sort of change their their, their route a bit the season. They found it. What's interesting is that the upgrades they're bringing now, and they still think there's a lot of Development potential in in the current car, and they're going to keep it pressing on until the end of the season. Sort of, you know, whether other teams have abandoned this year already to work on next year. Aston Martin going to push it further, but you know, you hear about or. The the conventional wisdom is that, right, you find a problem on the 2023 car, you fix it, and then you carry that into next season. Well, Aston Martin are already starting their, you know, they're well on their route with their 2024 car. And they've identified some things from their initial concepts that work for this year's car. So they've sort of reversed it and put it on this year's car with, with the new floor they bought. And that has bought some bought some performance and, you know, there's the conversation we've had all year about the fluctuating sort of form for P2 behind Red Bull, whether it's, you know, Ferrari throwing it away or Mercedes deciding one weekend they don't want to be second and and Aston Martin <laughs> or one half of the garage has, has picked up the pieces uh, this weekend and although this feels a bit like a cliche but, wasn't that a condition? Wasn't that such a hectic race? is to almost fall sort of perfectly into Alonso's hands. All that experience, uh, the craftsmanship, yeah. the the sort of the wily, the wily sort of you know uh, street <laughs> fighter. All of that played so beautifully into his hands, and then an extra you know freebie yeah. when Prez is dropping it off the road. So they've all come together really nicely this weekend with with uh, for Aston Martin. I feel not not quite. And I suppose so. In, there was like that two lap window at the restart we thought hang on Alonso's really got the pace here is he going to put pressure under Verstappen but I think it was that that at that case was that sort of Verstappen trait we've seen so often where he just sort of instead of instead of like shoving the Pirellis over he just gives them a gentle push doesn't he and so the Pirelli sort of lean into what he's doing They're not like, knocked off their perch and so that's how he sort of gets them in the right window and holds them so there was that just that brief moment thought come on Alonso he might do this but other than that se- second place is uh, sort of a, a, a good return to form and you know when you can pick fault in how you know ferrari their way with execution mercedes still you're fundamentally just not getting the best out of this car not understanding it not getting it in its right operating window asked and mclaren as well messing up their strategy aston martin was just smooth the fact that they're not generating headlines beyond like the the second place shows what a sort of just a, a decent weekend they had on one side of the garage
0: yeah. And you mentioned the experience of Alonso. He was the one that uh, they wanted to do to him what Red Bull did to Perez, which is uh, when Joe had his crash, I believe they called him in and he said, no, I'm staying out. And then, of course, the, it was red flagged. And that was the right decision. Although at the time Perez was sixth and on count back, he was moved back up to, uh, was it second or third? My brain's gone. Third, right, so, um, uh, so that was a bit of a gimme. So again, Perez was let off there, but that's he, no, he wasn't off. Them's the rules. That was unfair for me to say. Uh, but, uh, but yes, again, that Alonso experience of him saying no, 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 this is you know, it, it just so much experience paying off. Keep him in the car as long as possible, operating at a massively high level. Now, our colleague JBL, obviously not here today, uh, but is a huge fan of Pierre Gasly and uh, and says, hey, but. Put him in, put him in a faster car, and uh, and see what he can do because he's a he's a huge I mean, fan of him. Be see what happens.
1: put
2: yeah, him <laughs> <a, laughs> in a faster car. And he won't be as good as Max Verstappen. And, uh, <laughs> uh,
0: but he'll be delighted today with uh, a a podium, a podium proper after a Grand Prix. Hayden, you mentioned Pierre Gasly, one of your you know one of your highlights. Yes, he did inherit uh, that from the Perez penalty but he stayed within the five seconds he needed to um, after that restart so he did exactly what he needed to do from 12th to third how do you think Perez uh, how do you think Gasly did that today what were the standout moments Hayden for you in, in his Grand Prix this afternoon
3: as mentioned earlier I think by Alex it was the yeah opening lap pit sort of follow the Perez train through gain a whole chunk of time there he did also actually. He had his own five second uh, penalty for speaking in the pit lane, but his was first first time around, <laughs> which uh, he took during one of his later pit stops. So, yeah, he, he called that sort of one one with the Perez thing of like some people may say, oh, he, he lucked into the the podium promotion, but he had his own, <laughs> Fox, which wasn't quite a way of like, oh, I've scored an own goal, and so has the other team. Therefore, I've draw. I don't know. Didn't really sort of justify the means, but. Yeah, a solid performance in terms of um, extracting the most out of the package. In, yeah, strategy wise, getting it just getting the calls right. I think sort of a little bit like Ocon when that was again sort of sums up helping a little bit right now in terms of they just went differently to sort of split it with with Ocon and he seemed to get all the the downsides of it, putting him on the on on the full wets. Which I guess in hindsight and no, a normal logic would say that was the right call given how the rain came and then the red flag. But these wet tyres seem to be literally useless. I mean, isn't that what Pirelli have even called them themselves? Because they can only run when it's sort of monsoon conditions. And that's when it's red flagged or there's too much spray or there's just aquaplaning. So it means they can't, can't run. And that's largely what we had today. So although the call cool, in theory would have been right to have Ocon onto the full wets and then everyone else would have had to pit again, it they just can't seem to run in those conditions. And therefore, just lost. I was just lo- losing loads of times, being on the wrong, on the wrong tires. So, but yeah, no, full fair to to Pierre Gasly. Um, I think yeah, it's it's a solid day. It's a it's a result that team probably is for morale desperately, desperately needed. Um, and yeah, just take the opportunities when they're there. That was that was this race in in a nutshell for for your midfield fighters and Alpine today are the ones that have taken it. Just just on
2: Alpine. Renault management don't strike me as the sort of people that listen to this podcast, but if they were, what I'd say is that like, this, <laughs> this is not the swallow that, that makes a summer. So, you know, Gasly's got the, the third place in a sprint race and is backed up with, with a podium today. This does not sort of justify, us. does not signal that, that the massive management turnover was the right way to go. I just, I think that's, I just, it's, it's, it sounds like a dig, but I just, I think the Alpine result result was needed in the sense that for all the crew, people below the top level, this is a, this is a real shot on the arm, a nice morale boost after a really turbulent few weeks where they're probably going, what on earth is going on? But this does not validate the decisions that are made partly because you've got, you know, such a, Dramatic race, and it, it boils down as hay, as, hay, as Hayden has unpacked to sort of an early uh, execution or early right strategy call. But you know, with F1 lead times, with whatever the fact that uh, Safna was only there 18 months, so what he can do, he, sort of that his initial ideas that he brought to the table won't he really be manifesting themselves in the next sort of you know six months to a year. We haven't seen those fully. so. You know, the fact that they've got these two results after such big changes does not show that those changes were were the right thing. I just that still I think can be read as a team that's in disarray, has an underpowered engine, a, a trait that would have been masked by the slippery conditions. It's it's a great result for Gasly and for and for the that team in terms of the personnel have been put through the ringer, but it doesn't reflect that that Alpine are now suddenly on an upward trajectory and, and that the previous regime were, were were sort of holding the holding performance of the team back.
0: Hmm. Yeah, Gasly said one of the things he had afterwards was that it proves we're now on the right track. Um, I don't know what to read into that apart from I mean he could mean development wise or momentum wise but also yeah he's a highly paid contractor to the team as these drivers are and on a you know large salary and uh, won't that 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 won't do any harm in terms of going down well with the senior management there but uh, certainly if, he, if he's implying that the management changes caused this result I'm sure he wasn't certainly not the case as, as Matt says uh, I've talked about teams in disarray. Let's talk Ferrari, because I see I see that <laughs> criticism uh, leveled at them. And sometimes it's valid, and sometimes it's not, and sometimes they bring it on themselves. But I do want to get into that today, because uh, I, 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 I don't know what the answer is on that. So I can't wait to hear uh, from you guys on this. So, Alex, we talked a little bit about Leclerc's decision at the beginning to come in at the very beginning uh to go onto those inters he made the call and uh, they you know right up the front end of the the, the the pit lane not completely but uh very little warning for the mechanics to go oh <laughs> there's a red car trundling down um and and he says the right thing to do absolutely and we see this uh, sometimes from ferrari management as well over the years um and you know benotto was a big one for that to say we did nothing wrong today and Uh, you you often hear that. And they often have very good reasons, which, you know, as Leclerc says, uh, it was the right, you know, he made the choice to come in. And as he was coming down the pit lane, the team radio was saying, stay out, stay out. (laughs) It's too late. I'm in now. (laughs) Get me some inters. Was it the right thing to do? He says it was because the time lost in waiting was still less than if it stayed out. And, And we'll, in just a moment, when you've answered this, I'll get into where some of the people who were very high up on the first lap were by lap five because of those mistakes. So we, we will do that little recap in a minute, which will help my people make sense of this. Uh, but Alex, what do you think about Ferrari today? Where do you stand on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've nailed my colours pretty much to the mast with Leclerc. But it's interesting, you you, you bring up, Martin, the, the sort of Mattia, Bonotto, head in the sand, refusing to acknowledge mistakes. I, d- I don't think what Leclerc is doing today by saying oh, I made the right decision, I stand by. I don't think they're comparable because Leclerc was right. Like he <laughs> did do the right thing. Like there were, there were so many, like, let's say, for example, like Silverstone 2022, when they, you know, they got the call wrong and Leclerc lost that race in Science 1. It, that was a clear mistake there that Bonotto just sort of refused to even acknowledge. But Leclerc is right. Like, I'm pretty sure, I, I haven't watched um, watch, watch this back, but off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure that he still ends up either ahead of Verstappen or very, very close to him. He's about 10, 12 seconds behind Perez when he had been just a second behind him. But that's because,
0: yeah, his tyres weren't ready, right? It was still... On, on lap five, he was uh, in one, two, three, four. He was in fifth. He was in fifth on lap five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exa- so exa- just exactly. just behind Verstappen.
1: Yeah, exactly. So yes, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So he wouldn't have been there if he'd stayed out with Verstappen. He would have been even, he would have been even further back. So yeah, it's, it, it's completely the correct <clears throat> call for, from Leclerc. And what I really like about it is that it's obvious that things are so bad at Ferrari that we've seen it from science. He's disagreeing with the cause. He's making his own calls and a legitimate criticism of Leclerc is that he hasn't been doing that. He's just been relying on the team that's let him down time and time again. And they let him down again today when he got it right. So yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think that the sort of, it's going to be held up as like, Oh yeah, more Ferrari shambles. And it's like, actually, I don't really think that that was bad. That was bad. But it wasn't the main thing that let them down this weekend. You know, we, we came into it with science saying we don't we don't understand what's going wrong with the car. Then you've got their head of you know chassis development saying we know absolutely what's going wrong with the car. <laughs> like it's the messages aren't synced up. That says its own thing. Leclerc, you know, after his crash in qualifying, saying look, I don't know what the car's going to do corner to corner. And this is a this is a team and a car package that should have been on pole for this race last year, but for a little Leclerc mistake, like. Ferrari used to be amazing in the corners. Zandvoort is all corners. There's a couple of short straights, but they're short straights. Like the, the, the you know, the, the, the question is, well, why weren't you on your full downforce package? What's going on there? Like it's 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 much more fundamental. And unfortunately for Ferrari, they've said it so many times. It's going to take a long time to fix this because it's going to take an off season of of fixing that car. And they are talking about 2024 this weekend a lot about, yeah, we're going to be completely different in car design. I bet that's music to the driver's ears because it's interesting mm. listening to things that are going wrong at Haas. Now, Ferrari is saying similar things. You know, we've, science has talked about that peaky car for a long time, but the new thing is about wind sensitivity. That's a massive issue on the Haas. And funnily enough, the Haas is basically the Ferrari design. Now, they haven't changed the side pods like Ferrari have. So there's something intrinsically wrong within the design of the car that they're going to take an off-season to get out of it, you just would have thought they'd have done that last season and they didn't.
0: Hayden, any thoughts on Ferrari? That's pretty
3: much well summed up there. It's, it is sort of painful to see and obviously the, the scrutiny they're going to be under next uh, this, this week and going into the Italian Grand Prix is naturally going to be heightened. And you do wow. sort of wonder if it might all get a little bit to a head there given, like you say, the comments of of the drivers Um if they wanted to, to sort of make a real statement and pick their moment, uh, doing it there would, would certainly catch some, mm. catch some attention. Like I say, um, it just it is a very confusing dynamic. You sort of thought, certainly the, the CV and the record of Fred Vasseur and sort of his, well, the least impression you get from him is of a very sort of down to earth, but straight and focused type management leader. It, I know it's only been, he's only been in the job seven months really started January, but yeah, it hasn't really come across that way. It sort of feels like very much the old, old Ferrari in terms of like these same old mistakes, the same old sort of insistence, like you say, of, of ignoring clear problems. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit sort of depressing really in terms of if you're, if you're a Ferrari fan, but I guess, yeah, like you say, we'll, we'll sort of see what comes from it in over the winter and, and maybe they'll learn from their mistakes who, who's to say they can't but yeah painful really
0: So Matt uh, you won't be in Monza next weekend but our colleague Jonathan Noble by the way big 50th birthday celebration for John he wasn't at Formula 1 this weekend you'll be pleased to hear he was actually having a birthday weekend off but John will be back next weekend uh, uh, for Monza when once again the press the world's media descends on Ferrari in Italy at the Italian Grand Prix, so much pressure, Matt. Is it is it possible for that team to be under any more pressure coming off the back of really bad result here at the Dutch Grand Prix? Uh,
2: in a sense that, uh, you know, there'll be more local media there having given passes to, to ask the questions. There'll be more sort of Italian national coverage because it's a major sporting event on their doorstep. And also you would expect... Ferrari management and Fiat management to be there because it's close proximity and they'll get a few paddock passes. So in that sense, absolutely there will be pressure. If you remember here last, or it was at Monza last year where um, the Ferrari CEO came out and started doing uh, all the sort of football chairman speak of, no, the manager, Matteo Bonotto, his job is absolutely safe. And obviously we knew how safe it was soon enough because he got the flick. I don't think it will come to that. I think, you know, um, Vasura is absolutely their their guy, but just sort of it's uh, it's uh, it's a massive discrepancies, isn't it? Where Ferrari going? You know, as um, we do absolutely have a full understanding of this car, which I'm sure they do. That's how they're you know that's why they've learnt to change concept for 2024, and that's how they think they'll close the gap. Even though they'll be a year behind on learning relative to Red Bull and stable platform, but. If they fully understand the car. Then why is Leclerc complaining that he has zero idea of what it's going to do? Okay, I understand that maybe to make the car, per, you know, behave perfectly, they could do that, but it's going to cost them two seconds a lap, and they're not willing to sacrifice that much time. So this is this is the sort of the trade-off. But since that new floor in Miami, they have been on a development path, and the exact way it's making the chassis more benign, so it's more predictable. Where a quarter of the season on from that and Leclerc is crashing, you know, through throughout Saturday, he's off at turn one. Every time you look at, look at the screen, you know, this is not a more benign car. It's, it's understeer. It's oversteer. It's, you know, and, and then, so that, that is the car that is lacking pace. It's fluctuating in form. Uh, and that's why they're abandoning concepts. And if, and if they had a perfect understanding, it wouldn't be doing that. and, if they therefore don't have a perfect understanding, even if you're going in a new direction for 2024, you would want, if you're the drivers, to be safe in the knowledge that everything will be resolved, that none of these problems will reoccur. It's such a such a contrast. Remember when you know they did that? They did that sort of glitzy roll out of Maranello and they did a few sort of shakedown laps in the car and okay that was symbolic well it, that's it it was symbolic of look how confident this team is and and obviously they weren't pushing they weren't on a low fuel q3 runner on on their home track but it was just like such a display of confidence that, <coughs> that they were going to hit the ground running it they've fallen so far away from them but yeah you see everything else like okay you know They've, they've had a bit of a brain drain. Mechie's going, David Sanchez going. It's going to take time to replace those. And you could argue that that strategy is a, a longer term problem to get out of that mindset that, as Alex said, at Silverstone, every time there's heightened pressure, Ferrari seem to fumble. But I only just thought little things like, you know, whether it was throwing some tennis balls around in the pit lane, but just rehearsing your pit stop, pit stop time and time again. And okay, today was slightly exaggerated because the Inters didn't arrive and Ferrari looked you know, caught out by that, but the pit stops are slow. It's just none of the execution is right. There are so many things, but you know, okay, the drivers would say this in person, but I am convinced that they are, as they say, they are utterly, utterly sold on Fred Vasseur's plan. They're the sort of, the roadmap that he has laid out over the team for the next two, three years, they seem totally sold on it. And if they're being honest in the media about their contract situations both Carlos Sainz and Leclerc want to be a part of it Leclerc wants to do the paperwork <clears> at the end of the season Carlos Sainz wants to stay with Ferrari so you know okay maybe they would be saying that but but the fact they are being so vocal and so so sort of backing their team suggests that that what they have seen from Vasur is convincing it just seems we're such a far we're such a long way away from it now <sighs>
0: Okay. Well let's I did mention that I would talk a little bit about some of those drivers that had a great qualifying and that our listeners, you know, may have noticed. So Lando Norris, for instance, starting on the front row next to Max Verstappen, where did his race go wrong? Uh, what about Alex Albomba, George Russell all starting up there at the front? So comparing where they started to to where they were on the on lap five because of varying decisions, and we're gonna get on to Alex's thoughts on what Toto Wolff said about their strategy uh, today. Uh, Let me try and explain that. So Lando Norris, between lap one and lap five, lost 10 places by being on the wrong tyre at the wrong time. Alex Albon lost 10 places. George Russell, 13 places between lap one and lap five. Piastri lost seven places. Logan Sargent lost 10 places. But who did well? Well, We saw that Magnussen gained 11 places. Um, We know that Leclerc... That, that call did the right thing in four places. Uh, Gasly gained nine places. Perez led the race, gained six places by being on the right tyre at the right time. Toto Wolff told Karun on Sky afterwards in one of the interviews uh, that that decision was catastrophic was his description of it from a subpar Mercedes. Alex, are you in full agreement there from uh, with with Toto Wolff?
1: Yes, I, I think it would be very difficult to argue against that position considering <laughs> how badly wrong it went for Mercedes. But yeah, it's a weird one because Martin, do you remember we talked uh, on, on one of the podcasts, uh, one of the YouTube videos we did with Matt, uh, sort of, you know, half-term review looking at, looking back at the first half of the season over the summer break. And I said, look, there's some weird like operational mistakes creeping in at Mercedes, like, mm. you know, it's led to them sort of getting in each other's way and then crashing into each other in Spain and at Spa and all of that. And it's just a bit odd. And like this... This strategy call today, they got it. They, they got it wrong. First of all, in not bringing them in, and then they made it even worse <laughs> by then bringing them in. So they lost yeah. all the time, and then they lost even more time. Because, for example, Albon and Piastri stayed yeah. out the entire time, and a- actually brought it back. Now. I, I appreciate the difficulty of that call because it is risky because you are on the wrong tyres for, for a long bit of the race, right? And then even when it becomes dry, there's no guarantee that the the, the, the sticks are going to heat up into the right operating window that the drivers will need. But Mercedes effectively, as I said, got it wrong and then got it wrong again. And at times, it, I, I, I almost forgot Lewis Hamilton was a Formula One driver. Like for <laughs> a large part of that race, it was totally anonymous. Now, yeah, you know, he saved it brilliantly at the end. It was an amazing charge. Uh, even George Russell, you know, on the hard tyres at the end. I was like, oh, he's, is he, he's still far down the order. Is he ever going to come back? Oh, yeah, of course he is because everyone's got to pit and, and that will sort of work its way out and, and it will have a more interesting ending. But, yeah, just just a bit just a bit odd um, from Mercedes. But I have to say, you know, I thought Alex Albon was tremendous and he's been tremendous all weekend. And I know that sort of Williams have said that in a way this was kind of a, a lucky result in the fact that there was a headwind blowing in terms of – I mean in terms of like the whole weekend because – it masked some of the problems that that car had because at, the, at various points of the track, there was a headwind blowing, so the driver was finding it easy to turn in. And then the tailwind at other points was make, making their car even slipperier, even even quicker, which it was sort of making it even better where it's already good, if that makes sense. But I don't know whether this is too simplistic a point, right? But James Vowles left Mercedes in January and these odd errors are creeping in. Now I know he wasn't making the strategy calls, he was looking at sort of he's he was sort of the strategy director, but it means like motorsport strategy, like long-term thing even including young drivers. But you know, there is there is there is a there is a link of of at least timing. And and, and I think it's right to to raise the question have Mercedes lost something by allowing him to go off and be team boss at Williams? and what what of williams game? george russell is 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 highly praiseive of of vows and is clearly saying mm-hmm. he's having an impact on that team so yeah it's just it's 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 certainly made it certainly made things more interesting at two formula <clears> 1 <throat> teams one just one person it seems going from one mm-hmm. team to the other
0: and actually uh i don't know if the other guys want to expand on mercedes but let's talk a little bit about williams as you've you've linked already with james vows so yes alex albon did hang it out and did 44 laps on that that C3 soft tyre. He made it work rather than ending up in that no man's land of Hamilton and Norris and um, Stroll and Russell who were like, oh, we'll wait three or four laps. And like, oh no, like lap nine, let's come in again. So, whereas Alex Albon, um, he, he made it work. He finished eighth and yet I was watching because James Vowles is doing loads of social media videos and analysis and talking to you guys a lot uh, and giving the press a lot of time and really... Communicating the Williams story a lot more than has ever been done. That's going down really well. I know with uh, with you guys, with the fans as well. And he said they were disappointed with the weekend. Alex Albon said he was disappointed with with finishing where they did. Um, Matt, I don't know if you spoke to any of the Williams team afterwards, because you've been there this weekend, but is that disappointment Is that disappointment warranted? Because you think, well, okay, so Williams getting points at any time is going to be good. We thought they were going to be good at Monza, and we're heading into that because of their aero package. They seem genuinely deflated afterwards today. Uh, is that how you read it? <laughs> uh...
2: I, I still think it's it's the best of a bad lot. So I've, the confession is Martin is like, no, it wasn't me that went uh, spoke spoke to the Williams guys after. But you know, it, it's just they obviously they lost out from from the start. You know, dry conditions out Al- starting starting fourth. What what he could have done there, and uh, you know that the reason that uh, Williams is so good in a straight line is because it's very slippery and doesn't create a huge amount of downforce which is obviously less than ideal in in wet conditions so that that didn't sort of play into their hands and obviously you've got the disappointment of you know Sergeant having a a shocker of a weekend you know 20 minutes after or after getting into you know Q3 and having that that maybe contract extension sort of edge slightly further down the desk towards his way he then shunts and sort of it moves back a bit and then he's, he's had a you know done done all the corners in again in the race and you know so disappointment in that sense but you know but by by the end of the weekend you're going to other teams going whoa this williams you know what do you make of that and they're going it's not a surprise it's not a surprise and okay you've had you okay. know you have had the help of the wind which is sort of a potentially an underlying characteristic because you go back to 2021 and both latifi and russell thrashed in qualifying both due to wind win sensitivity. So something about sort of the sea breeze here and, and the track layout does seem to under, uh, upset that there sort of even ground effect and, and top surface sort of aero philosophy perhaps. But anyway, yeah, it, I think, I think, and you also as well, sorry, it's a slight rambly, but I still think there is an element of the Silverstone problem, which is, you know, is it better? Or are you better off in the long run to have a quick weekend and not be fully und- sure of why uh, apart from, you know, we had a northeast East uh, North breeze as opposed to South, you know, South breeze or whatever it is, or is it better to be slower, but have a full understanding of where your weekend went wrong? I think Williams is still sort of flitting between the two, but bigger picture stuff. Yeah. Being more competitive, which is, which is good. And at a time when they've said there's no more developments to this car so this is what you you know this is this is it now so you would expect as everyone else develops williams to fall away more and more and more but instead they've been in the ballpark and sort of claimed a few big scouts which is impressive and one nursing nursing the tires but um the, the, like the yeah the, the other bigger picture stuff is vows is saying finally we've got a culture change coming on which is him taking that. You know Mercedes' no-blame culture, and for years and years and years, you've heard of sort of the toxicity at at Williams, and it's just it all like they have the money to spend as well. If they can get the capex through, it's all it's all very very promising. And and this this weekend, I think showed okay, yeah, they were hurt hurt by the strategy in the rain, but that's like a, a lean operation. If you make the right calls, well, then. That that is that is worth an awful lot more compared to some of the bigger not bigger organisations when they're making huge huge blunders.
0: And then a, a quick mention of McLaren Lando Norris finishing seventh and Oscar Piastri finishing ninth. And whenever you hear the phrase recovery drive, well, I don't like that because uh, it means you're coming back from something, and whether that's a you know an error or a problem, or in this case again. Not getting the strategy as right as as their competitors undoubtedly had a a quick car at times this weekend uh, with McLaren, but uh, they'll be disappointed with that. And uh, yeah, rounding out the top 10 on in the Alpine Hayden. Any thoughts on the teams we just mentioned the sort of Mercedes, the McLarens, the Williams of the world? Anything that that struck you? Yeah, I mean, I think
3: for Williams, yes, sure, they could. I think they see it's disappointing, but it's only because. Slightly missed opportunity, but when you compare it to their direct rivals, which are Haas, South Romeo, Alpha Tauri, in terms of fighting for seventh place in the constructors, they're the only team that uh scored points from, from that gaggle of, of teams. Uh, so they pulled a bit of distance, but but also they they have just yeah, like I say they've made the most of their strategy, they with Albon, obviously, and uh, like Alpha and Haas definitely had cars running high up in it. In 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 the running order at various points, um, but just making either wrong calls or car deficiencies sort of coming to show. Albon just seems to be that that driver at least that can sort of mask or at least make up for for things at the moment. Like yeah, he was sort of starting at that for after the red flag restart in the middle of the pack, surrounded by quicker cars. Again, like we said, sort of holding its own uh, sufficient enough to hold on to sort of a points place. Um, so. Yeah, I think they can be disappointed because arguably on on another day, like you say, if it wasn't wet and if things had slightly gone a little bit more their way, there's there's no reason why they couldn't have finished even higher. But I think they should be delighted given that, yeah, no points for, for anyone that they're, they're really focused on. Um, like you say, McLaren had a bit, a bit of the Mercedes strategy woes in it. Um, and in terms of it, it just not working out and having to sort of climb through the midfield as well. Again, which I think... Maybe on, obviously these teams are slightly more, not, not Red Bull package-esque, but their climbs are, are making being made harder now because you have sort of sort of packages slowly but surely sort of coming together a little bit. Zanvoort's not the easiest place to scythe your way through the field, um, as was well known. So yeah, again, they're sort of hampered by, by that as well. Um, other than that, and as you've said, sort of big shout out to, to Liam Lawson, jumping in a car, Doing his first dry laps on sort of the laps to the grid, I think he called it yeah a, a race that pretty much had an entire season's worth of conditions and variables and challenges. Came out of it, on, yeah, thirteenth place. It, his his main goal was just yeah to finish. It got there, didn't do anything too um, sort of dreadful. <laughs> and and mm-hmm. yeah, I think he I think he demonstrated probably why Red Bull see him so highly prized, and I want to see him as, a, as an asset in the, in the future, potentially uh, at that team very soon as a, as a full-time driver.
0: Alex, any thoughts on Liam Lawson's performance today or anything else that we haven't mentioned so far?
3: Yeah, yeah, t- uh,
1: terrific performance from, from Liam Lawson. It was really interesting. At one point, um, Lance Stroll was just nowhere. Well, I mean, that's not particularly surprising, but <laughs> Liam Lawson was only a second behind him and then a good chunk of the race had passed, a good 10, 15 laps. I looked back down the, the timing table and um, and 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 Lawson was still there just behind him. Like, it's, it's pretty good, really, when you think that that green car's finishing second in Fernando Alonso's hands. He's able to keep up with the other one. Um, so, damn on Lance Stroll, there, but there we go. Um, but yeah, t- uh, what what's interesting is it's, it's almost like Red Bull have got, they've suddenly, they've suddenly got a sort of junior program again. He, okay, Ricardo's <laughs> definitely not a junior. Um, but he's, you know, if he comes back from this hand thing, as I said earlier, and does very well and impresses Helmut Marco and puts even more pressure on Perez. If Lawson can do well at Monza, Sonoda's also doing well. Sonoda's also driving really well, but he's, he's still making these mistakes. Like, Russell went around the outside. There was no way at Turn 1 that there should have been contact there. Like, it's unfortunate for Russell because he forces the issue, but he's relying on the other driver not to crash into him and Snow still did it. And like, yeah, he was unfortunate with the strategy, but he was also offering the gravel. We've seen that happen in Singapore, you know, the crash in the wet weather there last year. You just get the sense that it could, there, there could just be a call that Red Bull need to make that like, look, we've got Lawson. He's proved he can do it. Let's get him in the car. Okay, we're not going to get rid of Perez 2024, so it has to be Ricardo and Lawson as the lineup. And Sonoda just, just loses out almost through default, but also because he hasn't ironed it out as like the the, the the little imperfections that that he seems to not be able to get get on top of. Um, but at the same time, maybe they won't do that because they've been burned by the Nick DeVries situation. They it was one good race mm. in Monza that Helmut Marco decided to hire him. Well, at the least there's going to be at least two races because if we're saying that Ricardo will be back for Singapore, as, as Christian Hall has indicated, at least it gives them a second opportunity with a weekend. I haven't looked at the weather forecast. I'm heading to Monza next weekend. Hopefully it'll be nice, bright sunshine. That that would be able to give them a full assessment of what Lawson can, can really do. So maybe the De Vries situation saves Sonoda, but at the same time it may be harsh on Lawson. I mean, look at Super Formula. What else can he really do other than maybe stay off the curbs a little bit on the opening lap last week? Mm. But... Yeah, it's, he's he's proved that he's good enough. So it's gonna there's gonna there's gonna be an issue at some point for Red Bull with with these 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 this stock of drivers that at one point looked like it had totally disappeared in the F1 team or F1 level terms at least. They have options again.
0: According to the long term weather forecast, Friday 26 degrees, Saturday 27, Sunday 27 and 65% chance of rain. But it's a week away. The forecaster changes, you know, daily. But it'll be warm and hopefully dry. And I hope you get some good weather.
1: Yeah, good. Because uh, I still haven't dried out from spa. So I just. <laughs> oh. I really need it to be dry in Monta.
0: Well, yeah, i spent... Cream. I spent this summer break spending a week in Tenerife dodging wildfires. And uh, honestly, 32 degrees is far too hot for a pasty ginger fellow. But, uh, <laughs> but, but there we go. My holiday
2: was even better than yours. I went to 11er reef.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, so, so, I think that probably wraps us up. Um, there's one final point that maybe one of you can then can clear up for me uh and this fits into the is it just me category and maybe our listeners spotted something similar but is alfa romeo called something different this weekend because on all the descriptions it says alfa romeo f1 team kick and i've never seen that and is that new or is that just me
1: no it changes all the races where they can't have the other sponsor because it's isn't it betting isn't it gambling is and that there it? it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was this whole ridiculous thing where they sent out images with the wrong name uh, ahead of when the car was launched and they had to be changed over. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's it. I don't, I don't know if I've, I've got
3: that wrong, guys. It does. Okay. Sounds about right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Let's just go with it's a sponsor thing and then it's fine. Because, yeah, McLaren it had, had they have, same they thing. They have a
1: different livery on it. They definitely had like a, a funky yeah, art livery right. on it. That yeah, they,
3: like, they, like they had with the, in Spa with the... Uh, kick green. as well. Oh, it was all green, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Nice in the yeah. rain. I remember that. Well, um, oh, there we go. But yes, in theory, not, not it came to pass. <laughs> McLaren have got the same thing with their, um, uh, is it? Oh, the, the, um, va- the vaping thing. The va- yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's it. They changed from that to cryptocurrency slash uh, Google. Not, yeah, One good grown. thing for another, eh?
0: Yeah. Well, I, I saved the most inconsequential question for the end, and just in case it was me uh, being, uh, being well, just being me. Uh, thank you very much, gents, for joining us on the podcast review for this week. I will not see you, dear listeners, next week. For Monza, should be back. For Singapore, TBC. Uh, I think I, I think I'm leaving you in uh, the capable hands of perhaps careful somebody else. I haven't been told, uh, but I won't be around next week. However, uh, I will be watching from home, and uh, and thank you very much for listening. We'll catch you on the next one.
1: Podcast Network.